0: Welcome to the Love Good Podcast, brought to you by our patrons, where you learn how to love what is good and become what you love. This is Jimmy Mitchell, your host. Join me each week as I sit down with artists and thought leaders to chat about music, culture, and the art of being human. We're more than a subscription company. Love Good is a movement of artists, patrons, and young people who believe in the power of beauty to change the world. And we're so pumped you're here. What's up, everybody? Hope you're having an amazing start to Valentine's Week, Singles Awareness Week, whatever it is that you call it. I'm here in Nashville right now and actually pretty pumped because this weekend I'm going to be hanging out with about a thousand young people from all over Carmel, Indiana, Indianapolis, Lafayette, Indiana, just the heartland of our country. I've never met someone from Indiana that I didn't love. So if you're out there and you're listening, I look forward to seeing you this weekend at DJ. Big old conference there in Carmel. But you know what else? This is a pretty crazy week for new music, all right? One of the artists that we're going to feature next week, who has a new album coming out on Friday, Valentine's Day, is Tyson Motzenbacher. He was a, a featured guest on a bonus episode we did a couple of summers ago. But the artist that I have coming into the studio in just a few moments, who's also releasing a new album on Friday, his name is Jordy Searcy. And he is a brand new artist, at least in my world. But for some of you who have been fans of The Voice, he's no stranger. He was on The Voice only a couple of years ago, has released a couple of EPs since then, and has a full-length album releasing on Friday called Love Songs. And one of the things that really struck me about Jordy is just how genuine and authentic he is. It was disarming from the moment he walked in the door. And so for those of you who just need a little bit of inspiration, perhaps just a little reminder that love is the one thing that really does matter. And yes, that's true. For those of you who are married, you certainly know this well, right? You've got a a beautiful companion, right? That you are doing life with together. And God willing, you've got kids, that you can see as the overflow of your, your spousal love, your romantic love. Pretty epic. But what's so neat about Geordie and this album in particular is it's, it's really a, a celebration of love in its many forms. It reminded me in some ways of, of C.S. Lewis's The Four Loves. And for those of you who just need to be reminded of all the different ways that, that love speaks into our lives and Allows life to have richness and, and meaning and purpose. This is going to be a great album for you. This is also going to be a great conversation for you. I can't wait for you to hear it. I'll be back in just a few moments with Geordie Searcy. Jordy Searcy, for the first time, welcome to the Love Good Studio, man.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Glad really, to be here.
0: really happy to have you. And uh, well, my first question <laughs> is, how long have you had a mustache?
1: I have had a mustache
0: for 2020.
1: Okay. Um, this is kind of like the in-between period our first show of the year is, is like next week and so I'll, it may go away before then yeah but i had like a few weeks where I, you know i didn't have to take any pictures or do any video things i'm just like riding by myself so i was like nice this is time to try a mustache so, i love it i mean so you got a brand new thing
0: you got to try it while the train yeah, yeah, yeah. is hot because right. it may not be hot in two more years it's true it's you've got to be in your 20s based on mm-hmm. you know one of your most popularly streamed songs right. on on spotify which makes me think that maybe you're like one generation, not quite, but almost one generation behind me. We grew up with dads who had mustaches mm-hmm. and just like ah, right. oh, never quite. Like, but I don't know that you guys did. Like that was very much an early eighties thing, right? My, yeah, my back, dad
1: was was definitely like there. I think what. The the draw is that there are there are pictures of my dad with a mustache. Yeah, but I never experienced my dad with a mustache. So now that Isn't I'm looking that back at, it's kind of the like you know when you see a picture of your parents, and you're like, wait, <laughs> they were they were like cool and hot. That's weird. <laughs> yeah. And then you're like,
0: and he had a mustache. Maybe maybe I want to be like my dad when That's he was 26. That's so good. You know? That's so good. Well, it's just awesome to have you in today, Jordy, and uh, largely through a mutual friend, Mm -hmm. your manager. Jamie, I've loved getting to know your music, maybe off and on for the past year, but I've done Mm -hmm. a deep dive in the last few weeks leading up to this. And I think there's a lot of folks out there who are maybe even familiar with a a single or two. Mm -hmm. They've they've heard you on a playlist, but don't know the full backstory. And I've enjoyed reading into that. You obviously grew up with music all around you. You've had some incredible opportunities, The Voice being Mm -hmm. one of them. And obviously, at some point, you made the move to Nashville, mm-hmm. which is not uncommon for aspiring mm-hmm. singer-songwriters. But before we dive in, I, I think this first sentence here like beautifully captures what what I've experienced in listening to your music yeah. up until this point. It says this, known for poignant, insightful lyrics that pinpoint the human experience as seen from a small-town boy with big dreams, deep insight, and a strong desire to connect. And, and then it goes on to say, you are the real thing. And I, I can only assume that is true based mm-hmm. on every... Well, minimal mm. interactions we've had up until this mm-hmm. point, music I've heard. There is something really special and really unique about what you're doing. There's mm. got to be a lot of influences that that have led up to this point. I mean, I think you had a few hundred songs you mm. were sifting through for your right. most recent or your soon to be right. new album. But let's just like hone in on this this one little phrase, small yeah. town. Where are you from?
1: So I grew up in a couple of couple of small towns right outside of Baton Rouge, Louisiana, until high school. And then I, uh, we moved to Fairhope, Alabama, Okay, down by, down by the coast,
0: like Gulf Shores area. I mean, I can understand the words that are coming out of your mouth, which mm-hmm. is not true of every Cajun.
1: It's true. I think the the Alabama accent and the Cajun accent are so opposite. Yeah. But they really do cancel each other out. That's hilarious. Pretty well.
0: Wow. And are you an LSU fan? Are you, you celebrating celebrated The, the your family is,
1: is definitely an LSU fan. Okay, sure.
0: there you go. I grew yeah. up an Auburn fan, so not mm-hmm. too far from right. there. And how much <laughs> did the upbringing in the South and maybe, I mean, gosh— New Orleans is obviously mm-hmm. a huge creative yeah. city, you know, and I can only assume that spills over into Baton Rouge, which is a bit more mm-hmm. of a college town, right. right? But one of my favorite singer songwriters is from, it's called Fairhope. Mm-hmm. It's kind of South Alabama, yeah. almost in the Mobile kind That's of region. Right. And I'm just piecing together the fact that he has some Cajun roots too. Oh, so yeah. what's going on down there? Are there good things happening in South yeah, Alabama? Yeah, definitely. And I would
1: say my musical influences growing up in Louisiana were pretty big. I, you know, I, all of my, you know, my dad and all of my dad's friends would play in churches all the time and also in like funk bands, you know, cause nice. m- music and and having a party and celebrating and food is such an important culture in Louisiana. Almost like some, you know, European cultures where like dinner is is three hours and it, and it's the most important event of the day. Or if you, you know, you, if you have somebody over to your house, you're ex- expected to have lots of awesome food in Louisiana. And so similarly, if you're at a wedding, you've got you know, you have a band. There's music happening and so there's a really rich tradition of players. Yeah, and a lot of great musicians that came out of that area. So I grew up playing with my family mostly and, and a lot of good friends. And my mom and dad both graduated from Belmont. So nice. they were they both lived in Nashville for a while. My dad wrote for Integrity for a long time and they both Made Records and released to my mom's been a voice teacher for a lot of years. That's cool. So music is definitely the family trade. Can we geek out on behalf of your dad for a mm. second? He wrote any songs
0: that I should know? Or um, know?
1: he he wrote a lot of 90s, late 80s, early 90s worship music. Nice. Um, so if you knew any of that, you'd definitely know some of his songs. That's cool, and man. So he's he's basically like Keith Green 2.0. Yeah, yeah. Is his back Pre-Chris so Tomlin
0: post-Keith Green is what it's I'm true. hearing there. It's true. Nice, yeah. nice. Really good, man. And obviously, music, if it's a part of your upbringing, it just is part of your, your DNA. But at what point did you say, I, I think I might actually want to do this full time? I might want to chase after a career here. And you know, and at what point did you look mm-hmm. up and realize, hey, this is this is possible? I mean, just yesterday I was reading Michael Hyatt. He's a big mm-hmm. kind of business guru yeah. here in town. And he's got this, what he calls freedom compass. And I think there's a lot of people who aren't living in what he calls that like realm Mm -hmm. of desire where your passion meets your proficiency, Mm -hmm. you love something and you're good at Mm -hmm. it. A lot of us are kind of in the drudgery zone as he calls Mm it. But actually I spend most of my time in what he calls distraction, Mm -hmm. you know, doing things that I'm good at, but don't enjoy or boredom, Mm -hmm. which is sort of the reverse. At what point did you realize that music wasn't just gonna be a distraction for Mm -hmm. you, that you could make this a career path? And you, you started chasing after it.
1: Yeah, it's funny. I, I very distinctly remember being literally five years old, and I was watching my dad lead worship. And some, you know, some people would call it the Holy Spirit. Some people would call it me realize realizing whatever occurred. I remember looking at my dad and being like, oh, I'm, I'm going to be a music guy. That's yeah. that's what I'm going to do for the rest of my life." And in a very like very sure, confident like, it's time to set my sights that way. Mm and that's pretty much all I've done in different forms for and until I was maybe 21 or so I wanted to be a guitar player more than I wanted to be a singer songwriter yeah but then at that point even though I was playing a lot of guitar I would, I had already like made three records by that point and had you know done a lot of my own touring and shows and things and so I think it was around 21 when it was when I moved to Nashville and I stopped introducing myself as a guitar player intentionally mm. and I was like I'm I'm going to sing my own songs. I like poured everything into that basket and
0: have have been doing so since. It's amazing. A really good friend of ours, Scott Mulvihill, Mm -hmm. he's been a big part of Love Good since our early days. You know, there was a big shift for him going from, you know, Mm -hmm. Ricky Skaggs bass player to suddenly being a singer songwriter in his own right. And he said, you know, he's played the the Opry stage many a time, but there was Mm -hmm. nothing like playing it as a solo artist the first time a few months ago. Right, right, right. You know, so that's a huge shift, and I, I suppose there's a big difference between you know being a part of a band or being a a, a piece of a of a you know musical sort of pie, and then mm-hmm. suddenly being the guy who's setting the culture and obviously writing the songs, and suddenly the brand itself, mm-hmm. you know. Right. So it's a lot of transformation there. I'm curious, what was it like? I mean, being on The Voice, preparing for The Voice, that whole process. Did you find mm-hmm. that pretty? formative and exciting. Mm. Everybody's got a different perspective. Right. On this
1: yeah, and I uh, man, I really enjoyed it. So I'm, I'm 26 now and I was on The Voice when I was 20 years old. And at that summer, a lot of my friends were doing a thing called Beach Project, which is like a summer long like ministry internship thing yeah. that a lot of my college friends were doing at the time. And I, so I kind of look at it a lot like that. It mm. was the best summer gig you could ever get. You know, there's, there's nothing like the intense pressure of working for a month and a half on 90 seconds of a song that you have to get perfect to really make you focus in on details. And and even when I fit some sort of weird branding fluke that they needed on the show, but at that point, I was not a good singer. I was mostly just a songwriter and guitar player. And so that was a really formative, like, oh man, I, I have to learn to sing right now. Mm. I literally am on the voice. I, <laughs> I have to figure this out. <laughs> and so it was great. So it forced me to. And I think that was... You know, I talk with a lot of friends about the gigs that you get hired between like the ages of 20 and 24 as a musician in this town and and everywhere can be some of the most formative choices that you make. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm sure in other careers, but especially in music, like I know a friend that had always set out to be a producer and he's like, I want to make records. I want to serve artists. And then he got hired as, as a keys player. And now he's like playing Amazing sessions all the time with huge artists and really doing wonderful things, but he hasn't produced a record in a long time. And I, I think he's found his groove in that. He's making his you know his his own artist project as well. But so I, I think in some ways the voice was that for me as well. I was a musician of all sorts during that time. Yeah, wrote a lot of songs, played a lot of guitar, wanted to do a lot of different things. Could have probably gone a lot of different directions, but I was on The Voice. I was on this show where I was branded as an artist. And doing in that kind of role and doing that kind of thing. And so, whenever I got off the show, there was a lot of, you know, it's, it's not really like a path ahead of me, but it was more of like a, a path behind me now that was yeah. like, okay, I've, I've done this a little bit. I think I want to continue.
0: That's pretty cool. Yeah. And nothing like speaking things into existence. Suddenly, you were an artist at mm-hmm. that point. Uh, totally. And you obviously had a pretty incredible coach and mentor mm-hmm. through that process. Right. Most of us would probably have to spend, you know, $500 an hour. Mm-hmm. For that level of training, you kind of got it for free.
1: It's true. I mean, yeah. that's sweet. There's no way that he would even take five hundred dollars <laughs> an hour. <laughs> yeah, I
0: was gonna say you could he ain't probably doing that.
1: his rate would probably between be between fifteen dollars hundred grand for like a oh, yeah. for like a five hour session.
0: So for those who yeah. don't know, who who is your coach through their process? Um, Pharrell
1: Williams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Casual. Yeah. He's. um Really wonderful guy, legend of a producer. There's only a few people in the world that have, has done what he's done yeah. in music. And with the time that I spent with him, there's a lot of really great things that I picked up. I think when you're around people that are as highly effective as he is, and also value people in, in a great way, then you just start to pick up on little habits and like yeah. even even from things of like treating everybody in the room really well and knowing the weight of his words, mm. knowing how saying. Hey, how's your day? To the camera guy is going to affect the camera guy. Is like he, he's just really aware of himself in a great way. Yeah. Um, but then also knowing what parts of the song are important and what parts of the song don't matter
0: mm. to focus on. And this really comes across certainly in, in reading your bio here, Jordy, but just hearing your music too. You have this desire to connect with people in a way that's really authentic, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, to be a bridge between great artistry and, fans That are excited to rally around an artist that perhaps their friends haven't heard of yet, you know, and to be a part of the, the beginning of someone's career. I mean, I remember when I thought I was the only one listening to the Lumineers. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't really know if that was true or not, but at the time, I felt yeah. like I was introducing a lot of people to the totally. Lumineers. And then suddenly, you know, they were selling out the uh, amphitheater downtown. Right. So I, I could hardly get out, outside of the, the general admission zone right. for, for that concert. You know, tickets sold so fast. Mm-hmm. What is that desire in you? Where does it come from? you know, to, to be that bridge, you know, and, and to a sense be a a real force for community and culture because, yeah, music can do that in a, a very broad way, but an mm-hmm. artist can do that in a very personal way. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: I think one thing that I like to say to my friends and to myself is that it never gets any better than sharing a song with one person, like in your bedroom, mm-hmm. writing a song that you like and sharing it with, with one other, you know, one other human. That feeling that you get from doing that Is as good as any of this ever gets for anybody. And it gets bigger for sure, depending on, you know, career, all that, you know, your path, all those things, but it never gets any better. Right. And so I think focusing on that for me is really important and realizing both in a really uplifting way and also in a contentment way is me making a song for one other person is the goal. And then once I've accomplished that goal, I've done my job for the day. Do something else. You know? And so I think. Taking that mindset into every show, into every business meeting, into every recording, into every ride, and making all your decisions from that place of like, I just I just want to connect with one other person today. Yeah. You know, it simplifies a whole lot of things, and mm-hmm. there's a whole lot of other conversations you can have of, oh man, I, I want to. You know, we've got to we've got to accomplish this goal to have this type of success, or we need yeah. this piece of art to. To, to be able to get into this space or whatever,
0: that kind of all goes away whenever you realize you're just trying to connect with one other person. I love that. And that keeps things so authentic and pure, you know, mm-hmm. and on the creative side, wholesome. Right. Um, and so
1: much easier. Yeah. <laughs> There's no, so much weight that lifts no off your kidding.
0: shoulders. All that to say, though, you're also very disciplined, you know, mm-hmm. to have 250 to 300 songs to choose from for this mm-hmm. upcoming album release. I mean, I've heard of artists having 100. Mm-hmm. Even that blows my mind. Most of us think, oh, yeah, like artists just record whatever they've written right. like no there's a whole catalog of songs mm-hmm. none of us will ever hear you, you probably prefer it that way you mm-hmm. know right. but oh, yeah. how in the world do you find that kind of time and obviously there's some discipline mm-hmm. there but what of the other hundred and two hundred right. and three hundred songs we'll never hear what, what happens to those right
1: well I've heard them so I'm okay <laughs> you know I I'm I'm, I'm not staying awake at night wondering what other songs are out there. So I guess that, that part of me is satisfied. And a lot of my friends, the immediate community that I really care about have heard a lot of those songs. Yeah. Um, So yeah, a lot of, a lot of them most, for sure, most of them will dissipate. And I I was saying this to a friend this morning, if you heard 150 of those 300 songs, you would be so glad that you were the only one that heard them (laughs) because they're so bad. Uh, My writing being very pro, I think the, in order to be as prolific as I am, you have to be okay with being really terrible a lot yeah. of the time.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Which
1: I, I think everybody has their method. I've heard that James Taylor has only written like 300 songs. Dang. Which I don't know how legitimate that. I've heard Brandi Carlisle is a similar way. She doesn't write a ton. But she's obviously written way more incredible songs than mm. I have. Like, you know, she just has this career-spanning mm. consistency. Mm. But for, my method, at least, is to... And, and I think because I... And a really, really fast writer, when I'm sitting down to write, I can get through, you know, five to eight songs a day. Yeah, if totally I'm writing by myself, you know. That's amazing. And you and like they're mostly terrible. Yeah. yeah. I, I I discovered after working a lot and putting a lot of time into writing for this record, I just, I have like a I now have the superpower of being able to freestyle a mediocre song at any point. <laughs> just <laughs> because true, the dude. the muscles in my brain <laughs> are so used to doing that. But I, I'm, you know, one of the most inspiring groups in music and and ethic and practice is the Beatles because mm. in the seven years they were together, you know, they had what forty number ones, wrote five hundred songs, and yeah. and then you hear about them taking a trip to India for three weeks, and they came back and they and they had like too many songs to make one record with. And they're like, we have to make the white album and the next yeah, one, you know, yeah. because after after what two or three weeks of writing and. So and and I and I do look at all of the greats in my in in the discipline that I aspire to. Like Randy Newman is another one of my highest muses I have for sure. He has just written so much for so many years, and he just has a reputation of showing up and be like, "All right, four hours a day, no matter what." And he'll he would do things like have somebody he would lock himself in a room, and he'd have somebody sit outside the room, making sure he didn't leave, and it's just him and a piano. Wow. But you know, you look at. I'd say there's a lot of consistency in that level of work and the fruit that comes from it mm-hmm. So you know if I'm I'm looking at the life and the however many years left I have writing writing songs, if I can pour as much time into it now and develop these chops for later years while at the same time just like putting in the work to get to get the the pieces of art that I have now,
0: yeah I think it'll be really worth it. We'll be back in just a few moments with Jordy Searson. Did you know that we release a brand new video on YouTube every single week? There's always a little excerpt of the podcast or of Love Good Academy, this ongoing formation experience that we provide for our apprentices. In some cases, there are live music videos that we've recorded on our fireside tours. Really amazing stuff. And this week, we've got a brand new live music video. And if you haven't caught it yet, there's a good chance that you're not yet subscribed to our YouTube channel. So go to youtube.com slash lovegoodculture and know that our patrons get a backdoor, really backstage access to our YouTube channel. We send them every single week, a long form video, either of the podcast or of Love Good Academy or some epic beautiful content that we don't make available to the public and it's just a really amazing way to be tracking what's going on with love good to be inspired in your own life as you continually bring beauty to the forefront and really our hope is nothing less than to empower you to build a better culture especially by sharing life together with those that you love and to share it well so anyway check it out youtube.com slash love good culture I was on the phone with a friend last week and he was telling me about the the root of the word amusement. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's a big difference between your music that by the end of a song or at the end of even your 2018 EP, there's a sense of, I, I feel more human here. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm wrestling with the mysteries of life with a mm-hmm. bit more courage than I was or a bit more insight than I was mm-hmm. half an hour ago or five minutes yeah. ago. That's what we might call Leisure, you know, where you're entering right. into reality. Mm-hmm. But most of what we have in the entertainment industry is not authentic leisure, but something more like mindless amusement, mm-hmm. which does tend to not be very inspired. So that right. you know that that word "a" means sort of against mm-hmm. the muse. Well, you know, we both love the Lord, mm-hmm. right? So, so the muse is ultimately the the inspirer uh, is. Always going to be God. It's always going to be the Holy Spirit, you know. Right. But it's not like you know you're working for the church or I'm working for the church, Mm -hmm. and you know we're in a space where people are always surprised by authenticity, by Mm -hmm. depth, by personalism. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm wondering how how do you how do you keep it all pure in the midst of it? You know, Mm -hmm. you've got a lot of exciting things happening. You've had a really fun. Sort of launching point to your career with Mm -hmm. the voice, and you've got a full length album. is full length. It's eight songs. We'll call it full length. Yeah, there's a lot of debate, but I think it's a 2020 full length. There you go. There you go, man. There's a lot to be excited about. How do you how do you make sure that you know the day that you're selling out the Ascend Amphitheater downtown, like the Lumineers suddenly were Mm -hmm. five years ago that you, you keep it all intact, what mm-hmm. the whole thing was about from day one. And I think this is a question we all ask ourselves as we get older and maybe as careers start to explode or opportunities present themselves, we we don't want to lose our wholesomeness, our our purity, mm-hmm. the intention that we began with. Uh, yeah. How do you protect that yourself?
1: Yeah. Well, I think one really important thing that I learned from Gullihorn, actually, is a, the best songwriter in Nashville, if I had any, Is that Andy? Andy? Andy Gullihorn, oh, yeah. Wow. My goodness, he's amazing. We were talking about like sometimes I'd, I'd go to a show and feel really guilty and feel this pressure to be this insightful guy that be the guy that wrote all the lyrics that all these people came to see hundred <laughs> percent of the time, right? And Andy was just telling me it's like, well, you're you're not that guy. Sometimes you're a douchebag, <laughs> but, and like you've got to bring that guy too. So in the the attempt of keeping it all pure and all wonderful, I haven't. I'm I'm am yeah. i I'm a flawed dude. Sometimes I'm an insightful guy and sometimes I'm really immature. <laughs> sometimes I make great decisions. Sometimes I make awful decisions. And the, I think the goal is just to bring all of that, bring all of that to the table and show it all to everybody and just keep doing that and keep showing up and not not feel that, you know. So at some point, you know, if I ever am playing a Send Amphitheater, which would blow my mind, I'll still be the same doofus that yeah. showed up and played a house concert at somebody's house. And I'll still probably have bring the same level of, pride and insecurity and, and foolishness, and maybe the same level of being used by a God that wants to bring that guy into these spaces and yeah. do wonderful things with him anyway. Yeah. yeah. so
0: It's pretty refreshing. You're helping me fight my my tendency, uh, my inner tendency towards mm. perfectionism right there. Mm. You know, we just got to let things be. Totally. And it means letting ourselves be who we are as well. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned the Beatles, which is yeah. great, because here you're, I don't know if this is you, I don't know if this is your producer, I think this is Lucas Morton, your mm-hmm. producer, talking about how you're trying to sound this record some mix really between Julia Michaels and, and the Beatles themselves. Totally. You know, that's that's no small feat mm-hmm. to to achieve. And I can't wait to hear mm-hmm. it myself, the, the record it. from start to finish. But tell me a little bit more about that, that creative process. What it's like collaborating with the producer. Mm-hmm. You know how you, you you honor these influences and these these sounds that you're trying to achieve. And yet, doing something that's totally fresh and original at the same time. Mm,
1: Totally, yeah. I think every everybody is different. Everybody has a different process. You know, it's like a painter that uses watercolors and a sculptor. I feel like you know, each musician has a different way of doing of of getting the result that they want. For me, I I I find it's best to come in with a, a lot of direction and then work with somebody that gets inspired by that direction and can make it happen. And Lucas Morton is a guy that I hired for my first record after he played some shows with us. I think we were maybe the second project that he worked on, and he's really is a genius. He's wonderful at what he does. Mm. And if you listen to his other records, he's really great at doing that because all of the records that he does with different artists sound incredibly different. So he'll, he really tailors to the art as well. So what I did whenever I had this collection of songs, I kind of took the ethos from some of the songs... And the goal of being able to create something that you listen to it and you feel like it could be replicated live and that it should be and that like you listen to it and you're like, man, I I hear, I want to hear this guy play it with just a guitar, you know, Mm. going for that kind of thing. And then basically I made a soundboard of like, I want this type of synth. I want these strings. I want these Ringo Starr drum sounds. I want this kind of bass, not this kind of bass. This is the acoustic tone that I want to go for. And then I came in with all of these options and then i spent for there's a lot of the songs that i demoed out a couple of times like i would make a demo myself and then i would go with a fr- another friend producer and make another demo so i came in with a lot of information basically
2: mm-hmm.
1: which i think is some of the most helpful way for musicians with a lot of ideas to make music is to set parameters sure because whatever you know if you set a parameter you're creativity is going to fill in the gaps and sometimes if you don't set a parameter it'll just be this big blob of undefined yeah whatever you know that it's hard for people to grasp Mm. and so I tried to just pick the parameters that I liked the best and then you know come in with like okay these are the type of sounds I wanted and then we spent the first five to ten days in the studio with Lucas we just basically demoed out did. a every day was a rough sketch of a different song and there are a few songs that didn't make the record that we were trying to see if would come to life and that was really the most magical week Mm. of the of recording for both of us because after that week the record was essentially done we just had to finish everything you know but the first initial oh this is this synth is going to define this song or sweet, we found the guitar tone, this is the vocal, this is what the drums need to do, this is kind of done, we just need to, you know, edit and mix. And and the record ended up taking a while, but I'd I'd say the bulk of the creative decision-making work was done like that first week. So I I think a lot the prep helped a lot of that.
0: You know, there's some studies out, speaking of parameters, Mm -hmm. about how children play with a lot more just abandonment and joy especially in big cities when their playgrounds have a really solid fence, Mm -hmm. you know? And I've always thought that to be like really pertinent to my own life. Like you just said, if you Mm -hmm. don't accept the boundaries, if you were a painter and you didn't accept the boundaries of your canvas, well, Mm -hmm. you never would create anything worth at least Mm -hmm. enjoying and sharing with the world, you know, Mm -hmm. how do we live, right? This, this freedom and this joy and this spontaneity that I think the rest of the world can look in at an artist and say, Mm -hmm. Hey, that, that's how i want to live you know Mm -hmm. there there is a a certain kind of wildness Mm -hmm. to your lifestyle and yet we all know that it's got parameters it's got it's Mm -hmm. got boundaries there's there's discipline there's stability this might be the last sort of like Mm. you know philosophical question i'll ask you and then let's just briefly chat about the album and your favorite song but you know if, if you were to say you know is, is that a tension that you're aware of and that you're living into, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, what are your words to the world that isn't creative maybe, mm-hmm. but looks in at your lifestyle and says, that that looks pretty adventurous mm-hmm. and, and pretty awesome. But maybe it's easy to glorify, you mm-hmm. know, what they see and they forget that, hey, you're, you're probably getting out of bed at the same time most days. Mm-hmm. You know, you, right. you showed up, I think, a minute early for right. this podcast interview. You're not, you know, just living this crazy constant spontaneity either. Right. How do you live that, and how would you how would you inspire others to live it themselves?
1: Yeah, I'd I'd say I'm one of the more regimented, structured people of a lot of my friends. Huh. Morning routines are like the most helpful thing to me. Like for example, I I went and saw, I saw a movie with some friends last night and I got in late. And I wasn't able to like make my day planner for today, mm. and like I realized as I was driving here, I was like, oh, everything is out of whack. I forgot to do yeah. this, you know, and and most most days are planned out to the half hour for me. And I I think living a life, which a lot of people do where I travel a lot and I'm different in different cities a lot. It's really important for me to have that structure to be able to function. You know, Mm. if I'm on the road for four days, I need to plan out the next three days that I'm going to be in town so I can see the people that like fill me up so that I don't like because, because the people that you're around define so much of who you are. And so if I'm gone for four days and it's just me and my drummer in a car for a while, and then I am in town the next day and, I, and I'm hanging out with people that I only see every two months or whatever, mm-hmm. I'm going to a big fun party where I don't have any connective conversation with people that really know me, then it'll be, I'll, I'll become ungrounded really, really quickly. Yeah. So I, I value structure a whole lot. It's funny, I think because I tend to be creative and off the wall, I really need that structure more yeah. than a lot of people. You gotta fight for it. Yeah. And yeah. like if I like if I don't write down to do my laundry, then like <laughs> two and a half weeks will go by and I'll be like, I don't have any clothes. Why
0: don't I have any clothes?
1: <laughs> because I don't have the brain capacity to to yeah. write all day and yeah, also remember to do my laundry. So I have to be yeah. really regimented, otherwise my life like really falls apart. Yeah. So and and you know, I well, I remember when I was maybe twenty two or twenty-three praying and asking God to make me really good at time management because I knew that was the only way that I would be able to book a lot of house shows myself and, you know, budget enough to pay for a recording and and mm-hmm. also, you know, be able to write write a lot of songs and so that's, and
0: cover rent and right exactly
1: <laughs> and not die and still yeah. eat which we're we're still alive and we're still eating it's been great <laughs> but yeah so I you know time management is, is super important there's a lot of people that have more stable jobs that they don't have to go out of town every once in a while that's right that sometimes I like man I, it would be great if I could have that my mm. idea of a vacation is two weeks in Nashville where yeah. I, don't have, where I <laughs> don't have to travel yeah. and literally that's the vacation I would actually take I like, love oh, it sweet I'm gonna be like January February, February so not really touring a lot is yeah. that for me Yeah. so it's like oh man I get to like just be home
0: that's so good and like it? go get a beer with a friend I
1: know wow that's insane <laughs> and Nashville has a
0: lot to explore so if you've got mm-hmm. close friends here it's a, right. a never ending vacation right. really you it's know? true it's amazing well let's just briefly close out by talking about these eight songs mm-hmm. is there I know this is an impossible question but mm-hmm. you got one that's a little bit more of a favorite at the moment or mm-hmm. even one that's got a story worth telling that'd be my first question the second is you know, what are you hoping, you know, as people listen to love songs mm-hmm. from start to finish? what What's the message that, you, that you're that you leaving with your listeners? Not that there has to be this, this arc of a story, mm-hmm. but, you know, I think that's a, a lost art, mm-hmm. you know, where albums are, in fact, a work of art from start yeah. to finish, you know? You've had quite a few singles. Mm-hmm. You've obviously had the EP. It sounds like you've also mm-hmm. worked on a lot of other things that maybe mm-hmm. aren't appearing on Spotify these right. days. What's the message behind this album, and what one song would you want to share a story from?
1: Totally. If I had, I'll go. I'll go with the, the the arc first. So whenever I was writing this record, I think I put a lot of some very healthy, some unhealthy pressure on myself to like write a bunch of pop bangers, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and I had maybe. Th- you know, four months. And I was like, I don't have the standout tracks that I really need. So I went, I was just like, okay, I'm just going to put my head down and write pop bangers. And that's what I'm going to do. And so that's, that's what I worked hard on. And it's so funny. I think there's part of me that focused a little bit too much on that for this record. Mm. And so when I was going into recording, I was like, oh man, there's, I, I, I like, there's a song called Explaining Jesus that's on my EP from 2018 that, it's a really meaningful song for me to be able to play for people. And I'm still really excited to be able to have that song. And I was really looking for a song on this next record that would kind of be like another one of those. And mm. instead, I think uh, there's a, a lot of like fun, catchy songs or what happened for this, this time around. And so part of me was bummed about that. and was like kind of curious about what, what was going on there. But I, as now, really just in the last month and a half, two months, after the record's completely done, way after the writing for the record, I realized that the arc of the record is actually, the record is about me finding contentment. And so the 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 album's called Love Songs, but it's like Love Question Mark songs. Yeah, nice. Um, and there's a there's a lot of like romantic dating discord story songs in there. There's one song that I think was my favorite track called Better, which is just the characterization of it's actually not a not from a real relationship but it's the it's the storyline of a really really dysfunctional relationship that's very one-sided and at the end me the character in the song is in this relationship because this character doesn't know his own value and so i i put it in the context of a relationship but that song is actually the way i relate to a lot of things in my life i'll look to anything to fill me up because i don't realize that i already have enough
0: yeah
1: and so there's basically The whole record is me looking for love, and it's like not there. Okay, well, whatever is love over here? And then the last track, the last two tracks rather of the record, there's one called "All Night" that's basically like a a love song to my friend group. It was inspired by like a surprise birthday party that I got thrown last year, and I just realized I had a lot of good people about Mm -hmm. around me. And and the song is just about how celebrating a good night with good friends is actually one of the one of the more healing and steadfast things that I've experienced and just having good people to like be a normal person around is is yeah. really important and wonderful and then the last song in the record has a song called Favorite Days that I wrote for my brother who I live with in Nashville and my drummer slash tour manager slash best friend Scooter Spicer and it was That song is the next single that's coming out on the 31st, which will actually happen before this podcast is released. So never mind, it's out. So this song, Favorite Days, basically looking around at my life and saying, everything I have here is good enough. And I have so many wonderful friendships. I get to live with my brother. I get to play music on the road. I'm making enough to live these are my favorite days. I'm not looking for anything. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not looking for anything but right now. Mm. And so the whole record is actually me, a journey of me looking for love in all sorts of different places and at the end saying, I think I already have everything I need. You yeah. know? Which is funny, I didn't intend that at all. If I had attend, if I had been able to foresee that, maybe I could have like done that story arc a little bit better, but I probably would have messed it up. So it's good that it, it yeah. came as a surprise.
0: I love it. Man, that really speaks to me because so often I'm thinking about what's next, you mm-hmm. know? Can't wait to be married and mm-hmm. to be having kids. Can't wait for, you know, fill in the blank, some professional mm-hmm. opportunity, some right. growth in, in friendship that, you know, you really mm-hmm. long for, maybe even with a family member, you know? Right. And yet it, it does hit me like pretty hardcore every six mm-hmm. months, every eight months. I'll have a moment like that where I just realize actually there's so much mm-hmm. joy and so much blessing right around me. So easy to not be content though. Mm-hmm. So man, this is super exciting. I cannot wait to hear the album from start to finish love songs for those mm-hmm. who are hearing this podcast today on tuesday or wednesday or thursday go pre-save it on spotify mm-hmm. it comes out on friday the 14th mm-hmm. very apropos valentine's mm-hmm. day yes sometimes known as singles awareness day what a great <laughs> album to be carrying us through the mm-hmm. month of Febu- february into the spring as well and you're on the road maybe beginning in march or april again yeah, right? kind of started into february beginning in march through Part. april
1: We'll uh, be hitting a lot of our main markets in the States and would love to see you there.
0: I think you just added a show in Auburn, Alabama. We did, yes. I, we got a lot it's of true. fans and patrons down there it's in true. Auburn and elsewhere. So go to jordymusic.com. Uh, jordysercymusic.com. jordysercy, I knew that. Or Music. you can, or the tickets are also on
1: linked on Spotify or Instagram, all that.
0: Amazing, man. Well, thank you so much for coming in. We're so pumped about all the good things that are happening, mm-hmm. especially this new album. And just know that you're your talent combined with your humility combined with the mustache and that jacket. <laughs> it's all been very disarming for me this mm. morning and I'm really grateful for that and for uh yeah, just the good things that are happening in you and through you. So until our next. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thank you very much.
2: Every time I hear that song, I see your hand without the window and I'm rewinding in my mind. Uh, Memories they play in slow-mo So close But a million miles from me Tell me if we're just friends How come it never feels like it Acting like it don't make sense Cause we're scared to the the
0: Yeah, I still can't think of a better way to sum up that conversation than with a very simple truth that authenticity is disarming. I don't know what that looks like in your life. I know what it looks like in mine that there, there's something to say about that radical integrity, right? Where how I live is how I talk, is how I think, is how I feel. I know that most of us have plenty of contradictions. I, I certainly do. And plenty of of falsehood that I'm trying to constantly root out, right? But what an amazing gift to to encounter people like Jordy, who you know are striving for that authenticity, for living with that integrity. And that comes across not just in his music, but certainly comes out in the way that he interacts with others as well. So Hope that's been a huge inspiration and a huge challenge for you, like it's been for me this week. Know that next week we've got yet another artist coming on. So we we had Zach last week, we've got Jordy this week, we've got Tyson Matzenbacher next week. This is a, a really fun run of amazing artist interviews where we get to kind of pull back the veil and better understand what inspires the creative mind and how all of us, regardless of how creative we are, can be inspired by their art as well. So all that to say. Be tuning in as always. Go ahead and pre-save Love Songs and know that on Friday, Tyson Motsenbacher has something coming as well. So give that a listen before the podcast features him next week as well. You guys are awesome. Have an amazing rest of your week and we'll see you soon. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to the Love Good Podcast. Tell your friends all about us. Follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and join our movement today by subscribing as a patron at joinlovegood.com. Start enjoying our exclusive content and seasonal packages that will raise your standard for music, books, and art, and inspire you to build a better culture. We can't wait to accompany you as you change the world.